You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 57, When Two Become One. What if I told you that when you get engaged, it can be very lonely? Some of you might think, yeah, I can see that. But like me, when I first thought about that and heard that, uh, most of you are thinking, ah, that doesn't sound right to me. That sounds a little off. Well, today we are going to talk about uh, an important aspect of relationships, romantic relationships, sure, but also general relationships and how we need to care for one another individually, uh, not just even when, but especially when there's a couple that's engaged. They are still two individuals leading up to that day. Um, And certainly two individuals after that, but spiritually speaking, of course, uh, one flesh. But there's a lot of details and decisions that are primarily being made about the wedding day, not so much about the rest of their lives. And that can be pretty overwhelming. And my guest today will help us talk about that in several different ways, uh, certainly from an insider position. Her name is Amber Anderson. I knew her back when she was Amber Ford. If that last name sounds familiar, that's because I had her sister, Cassidy, on a few weeks ago. Uh, But Amber has been in the wedding planning business for several years. Uh, She runs a very successful firm and consulting branch uh, after uh, selling her original wedding planning business. And uh, we talk about how Uh, As believers, we can really set up engaged couples and just people with relationships and how to have healthy mental and emotional boundaries, um, how to set them up well. So let's hop into this conversation with Amber. Amber, it's so good to have you on here today. Thank you for joining me. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yes. So for this episode, uh, we're talking about the anticipatory season of engagement. Uh, Many youth pastors end up counseling and officiating the weddings of former students. And in any relationship, romantic or otherwise, we always stress the importance of support, encouragement, and boundaries. Uh, I'm not just talking about true love ways boundaries. I'm talking about mental and emotional boundaries. Uh, No one would be surprised Uh, to hear about how stressful that season can be, primarily with wedding prep. And professionally, Amber, you know those details better than most. Uh, (laughs) However, your own engagement uh, brought some moments of loneliness, uh, as you kind of shared when we were getting ready to have uh, this conversation. Uh, And I would gather most people would naturally attribute loneliness to a season of engagement. So let's begin by talking about what you discovered Uh, and going through that season yourself, and why you might go so far as to highlight that as a lonely place. Yeah, of course. So I remember, this was 11 years ago for me personally, but I remember that time coming with so many big emotions, right? So we are making a big 
big life decision. We are facing the idea of combined finances and changing names and moving. And, uh, you know, a lot of us are going through that while also maybe going through grad school or whatever. And so just lots of big all at once. And then you have opinions from everybody coming from all angles and lots of money involved with the cost of the event. Uh, There's just a lot of pressures in general on top of these big life changes we're making. And I remember in that season, it, you know, that engagement typically is about the couple. There's, there's so much limelight put on us while we're engaged and it's, you know, parties and gifts and that's really exciting. And so that's why hearing the word lonely, you know, associated with that is kind of strange, but hear me out. So when I was experiencing that, you know, that kind of felt, um, I also, I had a hard time processing those big emotions in a way that I didn't feel like created concern or pause for other people. So I didn't want to talk to my now husband about it in the sense that I didn't want to hurt his feelings or, you know, I just projected that that could be a wounding conversation. Like, Hey, I'm, I wouldn't even call it cold feet. I'm just like, kind of like, ah, this is big. And, you know, you want to talk to your best friend about it. But if you talk that to me was, you know, my fiance, but I didn't want to scare him. And I didn't want him to think I was scared. I just was it was big. And, and same thing with, you know, all my other friends or my family. It's like, who do you talk to about this stuff that is very normal to experience without them maybe thinking you're kind of cluing in, like maybe hinting that you need an intervention or that you're questioning the decision you're making. And, you know, who's to say we aren't questioning the decision we're making as I've, as I've progressed in life and learned a lot more about life. Like, we do question our big decisions. It doesn't mean we're not making the right decision, but they're so big that they are scary. And I think at, you know, in our early mid to late twenties, we decide that we have to like do it without, it can't be scary because we've not experienced enough big life changes to know that like, that is the pattern. (laughs) It's always scary. There's never a good time to make hard decisions. You just have to find that piece that surpasses all understanding. And and keep moving. And so I didn't have enough life experience at that time to know that that's kind of how it works. And I, I didn't find the support I needed. I didn't know how to get that support. And so that was kind of my experience. I just kind of, I noticed this feels really lonely and isolating and I'm big feels. And what do I do? I don't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it for me was certainly not what I expected uh, either. And the only thing we knew going into it was that we wanted a short engagement, mm-hmm. um, which <laughs> seems counterintuitive if you want to avoid pressure, but uh, it, yeah, there's, there's a lot in there. And um, yeah, I often wondered with the wedding prep and with uh, just so much going on, I was less than a year into um, a new position where I currently work and that year was going really rough, uh, mm-hmm. really rough. And thinking about where each individual is emotionally um, is uh, something that is probably bypassed in some ways because all of the counseling, all of the decisions, all of the approaches, as you said, are for the couple, the couple together. Mm-hmm. They're already treated as one unit. 
Um, and you know, the decision officially hasn't been made yet. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting time, uh, that probably not a lot of people have given thought to as far as, well, we're just waiting for the wedding. And so the engagement is just, let's just get ready for the wedding. But what it is, is let's get ready for the rest of our lives together. Yes. (laughs) Um, it's not just getting ready for a day. Right. Uh, and that paradigm shift is something that really resonates in deep ways when you make that shift. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So what did you do with all of that? I don't know who to talk to emotions building up. Should I make this decision? What do I do? How did you handle that? I, I, nothing. (laughs) That's the problem. And it's created problems over the years, right? Mm. Like there are some things that we probably should have done and talked about. There are some things that we should have talked about. I, I knew I was making the right decision and uh, I, I don't question that to this day, but I think that there are probably some conversations that we could have had prior to walking down the aisle that would have, you know, just opened up our minds in different ways and not created surprise for us later and uh, nothing alarming, but just, you know, I don't know. I just think that that would have been, I just wish that there had been people around me that could have said, Hey, I, this is what you're going to, this is what I experienced, what you might experience. And like, that's normal. It's okay. Like it's okay to talk. And so I didn't do anything with it. And here I am on a mission (laughs) to make sure that couples are aware of this. Individuals are aware of this because it, um, I think when they have someone to talk to, which is something I I do with my couples, I'm as a wedding planner, I just, I do well checks with them and share my story. And they just, you can just like, you know, they're like, oh, someone gets this. So I didn't do anything with it, but I used that experience to now, now I'm doing something with it, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we want to get into that. So that uh, personal experience for you and your own engagement uh, sounds heavy, right? There was a lot there that, as you mentioned, is still having effects now. Um, And while we know everyone has their own experiences in that season. Being a wedding professional has allowed you to see how many people react in that season of anxiety, loneliness, Mm -hmm. expectation, right? Expectation has to be a lot of it, not just for the wedding day, but as couples. um, Assumed expectations are probably the root of many arguments, especially starting out. Mm -hmm. Um, So Amber, how have you seen this transpire professionally uh, with other couples that you've worked with or even heard about through other coworkers? Gosh, in so many ways, Jeff, I feel like on the planning logistics side, it transpires in, in you know, becoming indecisive or our response times slow down. We start missing deadlines. They go MIA altogether. Um, I've seen couples get snippy with each other or snippy with me or their other vendors. And it's all just classic, you know, we're, <clears throat> we're going through a major life change behavior, right? So nothing out of the ordinary that you would expect from someone that's just got a lot on their plate. And, um, but you know, like I said earlier, so many of them are ages that they haven't experienced enough life changes to, or at least at this magnitude, uh, sure. A lot of them have, you know, left home, gone to college, things like those are huge life changes. Right. But this is, this is a different magnitude because college we know is temporary. We can always move back home. This is like 
forever. So at this magnitude, they've not experienced it and, and they don't have the coping skills down yet. Right. So of course they're withdrawing <laughs> or getting snippy. And, you know, I've had, um, I've had two women, I've had two brides burst into tears <laughs> walking to the car after meetings and, you know, they just, their emotions implode. And I don't really like the term bridezilla. I think there's a lot to unpack there. And it's something I'm working on in, in our, in our industry with the wedding industry. I've got a lot to say about that, but for the, you know, purpose of this, you know, talk that we're having, I feel like the Zilla effect is, um, is very real. And it's not that they're mean or nasty people so much as there's anxiety involved. And, um, everyone's going to have a moment and they're going to break. And I think we as a culture aren't supportive of enough of these individuals. And I, I personally think that we attribute to this Zilla effect. So we, we can make fun of it all we want, but I think that we have a lot to do with it and there's a lot we can do about it and help prevent it and support these people. So yeah, I just, I see them withdraw, see them get snippy. I, you know, um, they, they reach breaking points. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like your own experience, especially recognizing the loneliness of your own engagement, do you feel like that's unfortunately unique in that other wedding planners don't utilize that experience or recognize that to help their clients and they respond badly to the Zilla effect? Or do you feel like you're seeing more people uh, in the wedding planning business, being more empathetic and aware of that? Uh, I see a mix. I think if we're talking by and large blanket statements here, we're going to be responding with boundaries and no, you will not treat me this way. I'm, you've hired me to do a job and this is how we're going to do the job and you're going to meet your deadlines and you're not going to get nasty with me. And, you know, we have to, to be a wedding planner. You have to have very, very, very thick skin. It's considered by times and Forbes as top five most stressful jobs above C-suites and among first responders and military. So we're talking like real thick skin. And at times I can come across as like, you know, cracking a whip. This is how we're going to do it. I'm a personal trainer. You can't eat the cupcakes. If you want to get, if you want to get down the aisle, this is how we should do it. But on the flip side, there are a lot of really empathetic wedding pros out there that can draw on their own experience or have a faith-based system that allows them to like, just kind of look at it a little differently. And, um, faith-based or not, there's still some amazing wedding pros out there that like, just get it. And so, yeah, I do see that. I do think that it has taken, so I now run one of the largest wedding planner groups in the world, like worldwide. I have reach in Australia. It's kind of, it's, it's amazing. And so we've, we've taken the ministry of the planning company itself and applied it to our platform and coaching planners as a whole. And I've brought this to, we've brought this to their attention. Like, Hey, we have to look at this in a different way. And, um, I think that it's, we're moving the needle. Like bridezilla is not a, like, that's a term we've really, we're really pulling back on in the industry and where there's this awakening that's happening. And, um, I'm really excited to see that, but it has taken someone saying, hello, <laughs> it there's more to this, you know? So yeah, I do, I do see it. Good. Yeah. I, I would say that mix of both, uh, is probably a fair assessment of many things we see professionally, especially when we become more aware of 
things that we should do, we automatically see people that aren't doing that. And for me personally, and I feel like others in ministry, I've seen the uh, the urge to become judgmental or try and make sure they're doing what we think is right without humbling ourselves and kind of realizing what we need to do to also kind of learn and grow is mm-hmm. ongoing process. Um, and I think just from hearing you talk and kind of seeing your own work online, that's something that you're really big on is being teachable and having others be, be that as well and being open and aware and realizing how others feel, what others are expecting and how you can best really help someone and team right. up with someone and not, yeah. and yeah, not, not just be about deadlines, not just be about feelings, but yeah. you have to and help people. Oh they yeah, for sure. Hand, but mm-hmm. I'll say that I think that, you know, we can all, you know, know better, do better. I say that all the time. We we're all doing the best we can. I get that. I'm not here to, you know, be upset by anyone not doing <laughs> these things. I just, uh, if, if we can't, if we can hear, hear the pain points and, and know about them, then I, my hope is that we can then do better. Yeah. And that, that's a good saying. And that message is something that, uh, you know, in ministry and ministry leadership, especially working with teenagers, mm-hmm. I mean, it's an ongoing evolution. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, that's a no, no word in so many churches, Amber. What I know, but I just meant evolve the actual, like, right. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. You know I'm what I mean? That. Yeah. No, um, it, 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 it changes. Technologies come in and new pressures every day. Like our culture shifts and changes and evolves and we got to keep up with it. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, your perspective and how you shared that is something that uh, is key because as fast as everything is changing and evolving, uh, there's also this unprecedented change uh that's happening because of technology and it's happening because of polarization it's happening uh where everything is binary you're for me or against me and we can't get drawn into you know as as you pointed out uh either tasks to complete and, and deadlines or feelings or whatever else like we i feel like nowadays we want to get drawn into it's this or this it can't be both and as believers, especially in trying to hold up so many ideals and examples and models for ourselves and living out in faith, you know, being in the middle, in the midst of all these things and having tension uh, is kind of what we're all about. And that's what life looks like practically. And, uh, you know, I think it's so important for us to, as we minister to people, whether it's just you know, being friends, whether it's ministering to students in this case, we have to not go into it thinking they're going to say this. So I'm going to say this, which is the right answer. And boom, it's solved. Like, yeah, it's, it's never that simple. No it can't formula. be that simple. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And, and I feel like that is something that we saw a lot in student ministry. Uh, and I feel like that is gratefully becoming more and more rare. However, uh, I feel like that mindset still exists out there. And I feel like not approaching it in that way uh, launches accusations at people who are ministering like, 
you're not walking in with the truth and you're not walking in with whatever. And we're so complex. And when people talk about being made in the image of God and people talk about being human, they say it as if it's a given and as if it's just this little tiny variable right here. And I mean, you think about sociology, you think about biology, you think about people who are historians, there's more and more being learned about us as people all the time. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to grow and shift and learn as we kind of learn those things ourselves. And the refusal to humble ourselves and to have wisdom and discernment, I think those things are at the root of what's causing so much dissension and stubbornness and lack of communication and lack of love for others in the world in general, but especially as believers in Christ. With a stressful job uh, like yours and that, that career and helping people who are dealing with stress, that is quite a hands-on learning experience for you. And I think what that leads to is um, kind of where we want to lead with this. And so you've shared valuable insight. And so I'd love for you to be able to share um, with people who are listening some application points. Uh, How can we as youth workers, ministers, and believers in general apply the lessons that you have been and continue to learn personally and professionally about this loneliness and stress and hard times of certain seasons? Absolutely. So I think it starts with our children's pastors and all the way up to the youth departments where we are focusing on individual whole health. And the idea that a person or a thing cannot fill all the holes that we have on earth and that, you know, just, I obviously our focus is like lean on Jesus, lean on Jesus. And, but I think, you know, I grew up so much hearing that without the practical applications and conversations and real talks about what does that look like when I, what does that really look like? And like leading our children and our youth through practice on and in development on that so that when they do enter marriage, they're not expecting their spouse to fill whatever hole. Cause you know how marriage is hard, right? Like even in the best of marriages, like I'm going to say this and someone listening is going, Oh, I know that one there are times like, I don't feel seen. I don't feel heard. And it just, you know, but there's not, but then if I step back and look at what I'm trying to be seen or heard on, it's not fair of me to expect that from my spouse on, you know, women's issues or like childbirth or things that like, I mean, he's a dude. (laughs) It's not, he can have watched it. He can have been in the room with me, but like, he will never get it. Right. And so vice versa, there are things for him that I cannot fill. I will never understand the pressures or the things are on his plate as a man. I just won't. I can live with it. I won't see it. So if we can, you know, really help our children and youth apply this and exercise it and, you know, flex that muscle and strengthen it along the way, I think we can help them, you know, be set up for success later in life, whether that's marriage or not. I mean, they're not going to all get married. So And that's another thing, maybe even more so important for those that don't get married because there, there's probably this, like trying to find something to fill we're we're called for companionship. And so we're going to always be trying to fill those holes. And what does that really look like apart from just like the Bible says so. (laughs) And, um, that's just what I got a lot of growing up. It's like the Bible says this, so that's what we do. And I was 
always in the background going like, but okay, how? <laughs> like, tell me more. <laughs> and so um, that's my call, you know, and I, I feel like also there's this really massive hole in content for individuals getting married. And so, you know, progressing out of what a children's pastor or youth pastor would do, but like, as you said at the top of this, Jeff, many, many youth pastors end up becoming pre-marriage counselors and officiants, and they're still involved once, you know, these students have left their youth group um, through college and, and into their 20s. And so uh, there's this huge content hole in Christian content related to individuals going into engagement and marriage. It's all couples based. And so I've started to write a devotional about it. It's mostly done. I don't know what I'll do with it, but I would invite anyone into that space that's willing to tackle it and 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 create some content for for these people and and have something available to say, hey, look, this devotional is for you as a woman getting married. This devotional for you is um, for a man getting married. And there's some action items and things to talk about. And, you know, pre-marriage counseling is incredible and great. And that's something that we put on our vendor list as wedding planners, as part of just like the process, like you hire a photographer, a florist, and a pre-marriage counselor. That's just what you do. Um, and, but what about the individual health? And with COVID, we have even turned, we've put therapy on like just straight up counselors on our vendor list because also that, I mean, the implosion of, of everything on our couples right now is, they can't, it's not healthy. They need professional care. And so yes, inviting anyone to that space. There's a, if you, you want to, you want to write a bestseller because there's nothing else out there to compete with. This is your topic. There's nothing. So uh, I, I just, I would call us to really do well checks on these couples and, and on the individuals, not just when they're standing together, how are y'all doing? Because that, that, that's not safe. That's not a safe place to be like, I'm really struggling and I don't know who to talk to about it. And I'm scared to talk to him or her. So like, can I talk to you? So I know how to talk to him or her and like have real well checks, not just how are you doing, but like, Hey, how are you? This was my experience. And I want to make sure that like, I'm leaning into what you need and, um, asking in a way that they really know they can't answer. You know what I mean? And then also I think too, um, having, uh, doing our best, I think, I think ministerial staff can do a lot in the way of encouraging all of us as a whole to just kind of stay out of stuff. So what I mean by that is couples have so many voices on them at all times. The person paying for it has an opinion. The person wearing the bridesmaid's dress has an opinion. The who, Everybody has an opinion. And as they voice that, it becomes so much pressure. There's so many decisions being made that at the end of the day, the couple doesn't even know if they like Oreo cookies or chocolate chip cookies. They just they can't make any more decisions. Yeah. So we can be aware of that together as a community that, hey, they their brains are on they're done. They're over maxed. Like they're not just maxed, they're over maxed. They can't decide between an Oreo or chocolate chip cookie. I see that in my profession every day. So if we can give them empathy and grace and space, I think that we can help them flourish in um, their relationships and as they enter marriage. And then I think too, you know, um, just helping them identify what the right voices are to have in in their lives and in, in which ones can express opinions and which ones we need to tune out. If we can guide them through that. And that starts with, gosh, that starts in 
I mean, talk about the children's pastors and youth pastors, what we can do here, help our children and our youth understand the healthy voices to have in their life, what to tune out, what to listen to, how to have boundaries and things like that um, really sets them up for success in these relationships. And as they enter marriage and make big financial decisions and, you know, if I'm going to have people listening, then I'll at least say this. If you're going to gift someone some money for their wedding, it's a gift. And I often see so much tension around, I'll give you this money, but it has to be spent this way. Or I want the ice sculpture in the background. And it's like, it's just not worth it. It's not worth the damage I see done over that. Just it's either just don't if we'll give them the money freely to do what they need to do. Or like, just don't, <laughs> Oh, it's so damaging. So, um, that's a two cents there that I'm just going to throw in, but I think we just got to set people up for well checks, boundaries, the understanding that our, our partners will never fill all of our holes. And you know what, Jeff, here's one thing too. I think that couples need to hear from healthy voices in their life that like, look, your partner will never fill your hole, but it's important to see that they try and that they care and that they'll show that effort. I think that's something that's missing in Christian conversations sometimes too, um, as far as just like psychology goes right? To have, be in a healthy relationship, like we need to try to see each other and hear each other and understand each other. And so if someone's really not doing that, like that's kind of neglectful and not, that's not a healthy relationship. So help them identify those red flags before they say, I do, you know, I just, I think that's important too. And then last piece here, I think anyone that has influence over fathers or whoever is walking a um, bride down an aisle, something that my dad did for me, that I'll never forget and is probably the greatest gift he has ever given me was before those doors opened, he looked at me one last time and said, are you sure? Are you all in? Cause if you're not, we will leave right now and I'll take care of the rest. You don't like, this is not, that won't have to be your problem. And for all of the like chaos that I'd been feeling the whole time, you know, I certainly had lots of moments of peace, but um, for the roller coaster, I should say, in that moment, two seconds before those doors open, I had that, I had that, um, that piece that I needed to be able to walk down the aisle and such a sweet, sweet gift. So anyone that is, is in that role or has influence over that role, oh, please encourage that of, of your flock because, um, I I've seen a few fathers do that as I, because I'm in that moment, the wedding planner is in that moment. It's the wedding planner, the bride and the dad. And I'm privy to these really sweet, intimate moments. I've seen a lot of them and they're not all like that. And some of them, you can just see the panic on their face. Like they know they shouldn't do it. And if that dad would just say, Hey, we, we can go, we can run right now. It's just money. So that's a lot of word vomit, but obviously feel very passionate about that. Cause it's, I mean, once you open those doors, <laughs> there really is no going back, you know? Yeah. So. It's a, it's yeah. It's not just a day or an event. It's a life and it's not yeah. even just um, a big life milestone or moment. It's actually like new life. And so um, no, I, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff. I, I love several things. One, giving a gift without expectation oh, can flex so much farther beyond 
wedding stuff as well. And it's just, Oh yeah. I mean, that's um, what Christ did for us. Oh man. Oh man. That's Uh, That's why we're here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, uh, you know, a little birdie, AKA your sister a few weeks ago told me that your family really wants you to finish that devotional. And I think you should. And I think that you are totally correct. I really haven't seen anything in Christian publishing that really focuses in on the individual in the engagement um, setting and season. And if so, certainly not focusing on those legitimate feelings that need to be wrestled with and talked through. And, you know, uh, what your dad did for you is such a cool thing. And uh, I think many parents who either don't offer that or don't know to are also because of the money or because of just it's all scary. I get it. Yeah. They're, they're almost looking at it as, yeah, this is, you know, you and, and your husband and everything else, but also like, this is the big event and everyone's here and, and I have you and let's just go down. But really it's the, Hey, no matter what I have you, that's a subtle, mm-hmm. but huge difference. And we can do these, this for our sons too, you know, like they're that I see them and they're getting ready room as well. And they're just like pacing and sweating and listening to their, you know, life jam to like pump them up. And like, and they're, they've got the same stuff going on. Like, this is not a a woman based thing at all. Um, I've had, I've had several conversations with grooms over things like this and, uh, you know, so I, I don't want to make this just about the women. I think that we need to be doing this for our men as well. And, uh, you know, that might look different there's, you know, behind the scenes with the door, but like before they go out there, we can have the same, we can, we can ask them the same things and, and to like alleviate some of this fear or whatever, if anyone's listening is kind of in this boat right now, that's what the wedding planner's for. <laughs> Make them the bag. I'll go out there and be the bad guy, bad guy all day long. And I will be so proud of that couple for making the decision before getting into it. I mean, I just, I've done it several times. I mean, I've never done it on the wedding day, but I have had couples call off their wedding the week of the wedding. And I have done all the dirty work. I, it's, it's my job. That's what I'm there to do. And so when we get sticker shock over, you know, wedding pros and planners and stuff like that, just think about all the wonky things that can happen. And this is one of them. And that's what we can do. That's the mess we can clean up. Yeah. You know, relationships are nothing if not messy. Mm -hmm. In fact, if, you know, I often tell my students, if they're not, they should really gauge the depth of those relationships. And there's a lot to keep relationship healthy and growing. And when that mess comes, you know, the idea of reconciliation and conflict resolution is so I don't want to deal with it or I'm going to deal with it my way in a very unhealthy way um, or both. And, you know, when we're counseling students, especially and talking to them about the, the idea of marriage and relationships overall, and I love that you pointed out, you know, not everyone listening or not all of our students will get married. And, you know, that's um, a topic for another podcast probably, but, you know, the unfair expectations we place on, not just students, uh, but or Christians, but people in general to get married. Oh gosh! Not everyone is called How to get married, and so, um, yes. you know, there's. I mean, <laughs> Who wants to? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 not just like ooh status bump. It's sacrifice. It is um, 
Woo, it's hard. Is it good? Yes, but it's, you know, is single life good? Paul said it was better than marriage in some points. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's appropriate for us to recognize that marriage between a husband and wife anyway, like not talking about Christ in the church, but a husband and wife, you know, uh, marriage doesn't complete us. We are not incomplete if you were not married here on earth. And uh, it's so important for us to emphasize those boundaries and being able to make good decisions on your own. Because if you don't make good and healthy decisions on your own, getting married only complicates that, right? That's the same kind of thought process as, well, if we just have children, then it'll make things easier. Oh, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it just makes things so much more difficult exponentially. So is it good? Yes. But Wow. Um, and so, you know, these expectations that we place on ourselves that we maybe with good intentions, but unfairly place on others as well, thinking that, well, it's for your good. It's what you're supposed to do. Um, yes, God honors marriage. Yes, God honors being single. And um, it's good for us to really set our students up well with what they can expect with any relationship and um, what we've talked about today, uh, specifically in that season of engagement and focusing on the individual, um, thinking about how we continue ministering to that person, even when they're in the midst of, about to, or already married. Um, just like the church is one, yet made up of many individuals, we don't just make blanket statements or um, approaches to everyone. That's why there's counseling. I mean, you you highlighted that. COVID has certainly raised great, gratefully. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that's raised the awareness of how counseling is so important. But um, yeah, we need to be able to take care of ourselves individually. Um, and, uh, you know, um, a married couple are still two individuals. Um, and yes, you know, two become one and all that. But we need to be able to realize the practicality of living now until Jesus comes back and how we can live in a healthy way, um, really to support one another. But to do that well, we need to be supporting ourselves and having people around us to help us as well um, Mm -hmm. in all of that. I think a lot of this, I mean, if we were to like put a button on like what we're really talking about here. I think there is a mental health conversation. And I think that my, one of my larger disappointments in the church as a whole, like big, big C church, I'm not talking about any particular church um, specifically, but just like as a whole, I think that um, we have this prayed away mentality when it comes to mental health. And that's really um, disappointing to me. And I've seen that cause a lot of um, damage and heartbreak and issues and it's led to death and darkness for a lot of people. And I think that if we can just acknowledge that the brain is an organ in the same way as the heart and the liver, um, yeah, we can pray. We can, we can have lots of prayers and we can see a lot of progress with those prayers, but um, there's nothing wrong with therapy and medications and things of that nature. And so when we have these um, when we have our youth growing into big life decisions or when we have our youth just struggling with the idea of like technology and COVID sucks and like all this stuff, like having real well checks on them is critical. And 
approaching them with the idea that like, hey, we can really actually have a conversation and provide some help here and give you practical tools and life skills and, and real conversation as opposed to just scripture. And I that sounds dismissive of scripture in every way I understand. I understand that. Um, that's not what I mean. So hear me loud and clear that scripture is like, oh, so powerful. I just, if, if, if you're, if, if you've got someone in your ministry that's having a heart attack, what are you doing? You're calling 911. Like you understand that concept. So if you've got someone in your ministry that's got a scrambled egg inside their head, which, you know, is, it happens. Then like, who are we calling then? Like, it, you know, we've got, we're, we're, we're calling 911 with a heart attack and we're praying. So we're, when we're dealing with scrambled eggs in our brains, then like, we need to apply the same, uh, care, I think. And so, um, and just the idea of like respecting our youth and their ability to engage on these conversations. And I think sometimes we dismiss the, dismiss what our children and our youth are capable of dialoguing about. And I just love the idea of talking over them in a way that as they grow into it, it clicks and they feel like they were respected. And I mean, just to throw a bomb on this podcast and we don't have to go into it, but just to like throw it out there. I mean, just even the sex talks that we have with our youth. um, I feel like we have progressed a lot in that, but there's still a lot of work to do. I think that in our generation, Jeff, we grew up with just like, you don't do it. That's it. That's what the Bible says. And then on our wedding nights, we're all like, what is happening? (laughs) And so like, let's have some real talks about that and some real, you know, real conversations. And, you know, you and I will get this joke and I I would love for her to listen and giggle with this, but like, we all need a Catholic, we need, we need a, we need a Miss Lee in our life (laughs) that'll sit down and have the real talks with us. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're giggling. I know you are. And anyone that knows us is laughing about it too, but how, what a gift she was to us in doing that. And so a lot of people don't get it. And that creates a lot of pressure on these. That's another, that's another way that engagement can be really lonely and isolating for a Christian couple is that's just the fear and the excitement and anticipation and fear that goes in with like, what's that going to be like? So real conversations, respect our youth. They're they're They can, they can handle these conversations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, almost exactly some of the wording that you mentioned about mental health. Uh, that's exactly what I talked about with your sister on our episode several weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, Runs, we are a passionate family on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a good topic to be passionate about, especially in the context of the church and the stigma that it's had toward mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, and we are progressing in a lot of different things. And for all of the destruction in the wake of COVID, I feel like it has raised the bar of awareness for several things that needed the attention. And this is one of them. Yeah. And so, thank you, um, oh, thank you Jesus. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how destructive it's been in our family and how hurtful, how so hurtful it's been. And, um, but we, we are a resilient family that is going to stick with it and know that the church is made of people and God is God and the church is made of people and it will never be perfect. And there will always be pain in the church, but, um, it would all be in vain if we just walked away. And we're here to say, hey, look, we can know better and do better. <laughs> the brain is an organ. Let's have these conversations. We really, we can, I mean, 
you want to stop school shootings, this is how you do it. Yes. Oh man, <laughs> we're, we're 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 coming up with podcast topics left and right. Here. All that left and right. <laughs> Well, Amber, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad you could hop on here uh, with me. Uh, can you tell us uh, where people can keep up with and connect with you online? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Instagram is probably the easiest way to find me at Refine for Wedding Planners. If you have any kind of topics that you would love for me, I have a podcast too. So I love getting, uh, one of my big passions is getting in front of wedding planners and, you know, <laughs> bringing awareness to them about things and what our couples are going through. And so, and if, if you listen to this and you had a great idea about like, Oh, I wish wedding planners knew this, then please shoot me a message over there on Instagram. I'd love to hear it and be a voice for ministry into the wedding industry. That's I I love bridging this gap. Yeah. Awesome. I'll be praying for you as God continues to use you where you're at uh, to help couples and making big decisions. Yes. For a big, important day, but really for life. And uh, man, Amber, thanks again for hopping on. Thanks for having me, Jeff. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Amber for coming on the podcast. The link to her website is in the show notes. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. And be sure to follow us on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find those social media handles and more at our website, youthministrymaverick.com. There you will also find some guest bios, a comprehensive list of all of our episodes and show notes, some ministry partners to help you in your own ministry, an online store to support the podcast, published articles by me, and more. So be sure to visit our website for those things. Also, we really love when people give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Apple is the biggest podcast streamer, and it really helps boost our visibility when people give us a good review. So if you go there and give us a review, not just a rating, but a review, take a screenshot of it before you hit submit and send it to me. And as a thank you, I will send you a card with some merchandise that you can't buy on our online store. So be sure to do that. Well, that's all for now. So until next time, thanks again for listening. Adios.